Hey everyone and welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven, that is my lovely wife, as always, Liberty. We're a married couple with different interests and we try to drag each other into our hobbies by discussing the latest news in both books and sports. Today is the sports episode. For a second there I thought I was going to have to do the introduction because you just stood there and stared at me. I shouldn't say you stood there, you sat there and stared at me. The only real thing I have to defend myself against this is that it's been quite a past few couple of weeks. And the next couple will also be pretty crazy as well, but there's a vacation mixed in there somewhere, so... I mean, there's always a very slim chance that we're going to have to cancel the vacation and the accompanying sports-related things that we were going to do. So far, it seems like we'll be okay based on what protocols are being released, which we'll discuss some of today, so we should be all right. Yeah. Getting straight into the sports news, I know that you have found some COVID-related things for the NHL. Yeah, there were two announcements this week, one of them coming from the NHL, one of them coming from the Canadians. But the NHL announced this week they will not allow unvaccinated players to cross into Canada during the regular season and postseason based on current statistics and requirements between Canada and the United States. Due to the agreed-upon COVID-19 protocols for this upcoming season between both the NHL and the NHL Players Association, it will suspend... Uh, sorry, players will be suspended of their pay during those missed days of travel to play Canadian teams. So basically, they're getting penalized for not being vaccinated. Right. But, like, you're not working, so that would make sense. Also, the Montreal Canadiens announced this week that the local government has agreed to allow full capacity for the Bell Centre to start the regular season. I feel like that was announced a couple weeks ago, wasn't it? They were in talks actively with the area, but it was actually officially announced this week that they're going to allow them to be at full capacity. They were one of the teams that was affected by the capacities during the playoffs last year, whereas a lot of the U.S. teams were at like 80% capacities for their stadiums and 100% capacities. So they were only allowing like 5,000 fans in there for like the first series that they were in. So it's going to be good for them. I'm sure they're going to be happy to have a stadium full of fans. You mean money. They're going to be happy for the money. It's also known to being one of the loudest stadiums in the NHL, so it'll be probably effective for their team to keep the morale up. If you believe in the home advantage stuff, yeah. Which exists, but you completely deny. But the history of sports would argue otherwise. The history of sports can be wrong. Most of the time it's not. But But it is in this situation. (laughs) Moving on to player health. So I'm going to say this name wrong. Be prepared to correct me. Jacob Vrana? Vrana? Vrana. Piranha. I, I, I really wish when I would come in and edit on the notes that I would go and look at the names because a lot of times you're like, oh, you know how to say it. And I'm like, no, I have no idea who this person is. I do know who this person is. So that's the only reason I got lucky today. But like in times past, I'm like, I have no idea who you're even talking about. So Piranha Man. No. Is going to be out for at least four months for the Detroit Red Wings because of a shoulder injury that's requiring surgery. He was injured during a practice on Sunday, September 26th. That's crappy during the freaking warm-up portion of the season. You get hurt and you're out for the first four months. Oof. We'll go into signings since obviously we're in kind of the trade drought time of the year. You don't really see too many trades going on during preseason. But the Vancouver Canucks agreed to contracts with both Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes. Pettersson's contract is for three years with an AAV of $7.35 million. 
and Hughes' contract is for six years with an AAV of $7.85 million. Considering Hughes was the runner-up for Rookie of the Year literally just last year, it makes a lot of sense for him to get that opportunity for a big contract. So, Yeah, it's a long contract, though. I mean, not as long as some, but still for... A guy in his sophomore season yeah, of his yeah. rookie contract. Yeah. We also had Sheldon Keefe, who has agreed to a two-year contract extension to remain coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> Keefe would be signed through the 23-24 season. I realize more and more, if we ever do get the opportunity to interview players from certain teams, the Maple Leafs will, never, will never give us the opportunity because you're like, Leafs. <laughs> That's not the plural of the word leaf. <laughs> but they are the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> oh, gosh. Never but they get old. to keep their coach, and they're happy about it, I guess. Well, we'll see how happy they are, because as we know, Maple Leafs head coaches don't last that long, usually speaking. They like to move around about as much as the Jets head coaches do. So I forget the Jets are even a team sometimes. Yeah. We also had a suspension during this past week. Ottawa Senators forward Ridley Grigg. Is that correct? Again, I didn't look these up, and I'm going to start next week. The answer is yes, I am correct. I'm always correct. He has been suspended for one preseason game and one regular season game without pay for cross-checking Winnipeg Jets forward Pierre-Luc Dubois during a preseason game in Winnipeg on Sunday, September 26th. Under the terms of the CBA and based on his average annual salary, he will forfeit $4,470.83. The money goes to the Players Emergency Assistance Fund. I feel like I haven't said that in a while. Yeah, it has been a little while since you've gotten to drop your favorite line. Maybe I'll end up making a t-shirt out of it and wearing it to the Pittsburgh game. We also had a suspension come out of the Washington Capitals camp. Their defenseman, Dylan McGillerith, has been suspended for two preseason games and two regular season games without pay for an illegal check to the head of Boston Bruins forward Stephen Fogarty during the preseason game on Sunday, September 26th. He will forfeit $7,500. But the exciting news is the NHL season does start roughly within the next week and a half, right? Uh, about nine days, eight days. Yeah. So from we, when we're recording. About a week and a half. <laughs> but I know I'm excited. I know you're excited. Uh, I got to watch the Blackhawks absolutely cream the Blues last night, which was fantastic. Hockey can't be back soon enough. Agreed. But moving on to a sport that has already sadly returned to us, the NFL. We start with player health, as we do with pretty much every sport when we start, uh, unless there's COVID news and there's not. The Green Bay Packers linebacker Zadarius Smith underwent back surgery last week and is expected to miss a majority of this season. They're saying that he could come back for like the last two to three weeks if everything goes smoothly, recovery time. I mean, it's your back. It's kind of important. I wouldn't try to rush it. Yeah, it's kind of something we've all agreed on in the past on our episodes. It's like back injuries are not to be rushed. Just take your time and let them come back the way they should. We also had Denver Broncos wide receiver KJ Hamler. Hamler? Hamler? I thought you were going to do a Bueller joke there for a second. (laughs) (laughs) He tore his ACL during the game against the New York Jets on Sunday, September 26th. He will be out for the rest of the season. Just period, end of sentence. He's also, what, like the 500th player to tear their ACL this season already, and we're only going into week four? Right. (laughs) It's a lot. Yeah. Doesn't seem like it's ever ending. 
I don't know if it's just more abuse on the body this season or what, but like, stop it. Your ankles and your knees, stop it. Yeah, it was really the first season with like a full off season. So the reality is, it's like you can't say it wasn't because you had enough time to like prepare. Like there was injuries last season. So. Right. Right. And then the New England Patriots running back James White suffered a hip subluxation during the game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What I read said the injury will keep him out indefinitely. I think they just don't have a timeline at this point. Then we have the Jets' Marcus May, who will be out for three to four weeks due to an ankle injury. It was pretty vague at the time when I wrote my notes as to what exactly the injury was. Yeah, I I tried to look it up because whenever I see things that are just like bland in notes with lack of information, I always try to like dig into it and... That's all I came up with as well is an unknown ankle injury. and I mean, it could be they don't know, or they just didn't say. Right. Then the Indianapolis Colts' Quentin Nelson is being placed on IR for a high ankle sprain. He's said to miss at least three games, but who knows. There's one more that we didn't attach to our notes, which is Rob Gronkowski. He fractured his rib in last week's game. He was expected to play this weekend but they've updated it throughout the week less and less likely chances to the point where now he's out for today's game but they do have him out indefinitely they don't know the timetable as to when he's going to come back it sounds like it's a minor fracture it's nothing serious but rib fractures in a situation where you're going to be tackled around your midsection not usually the best combination in the entire world so poor cronk yes poor cronk There were also a couple of signings, I feel like a lot less than the past few weeks, but Richard Sherman has signed a one-year contract worth $2.25 million with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The deal includes $500,000 in guaranteed money. And then Josh Gordon made his reappearance into the NFL for like what seems like the fifth or sixth time he's coming back from a suspension from long-term suspension. I feel like he's played like maybe two full seasons in his career is he just like a really dirty player or something? Um, problem with drugs and violence. So like things outside of the workplace Okay. Um, that kind of just get him in trouble, to yeah. say the least. But this time around, he's signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. Financial terms have not been released, but he's expected to play this weekend. So he must be in decent shape if they're going to just throw him straight in there out of not having played for like the entire last season. We'll see how he plays and shows up. There was also a retirement this past week. LaShawn McCoy is retiring from the NFL after 12 seasons. He will end up signing a one-day contract with the Eagles to retire with them. Well, considering he played like 80% of his career there, it kind of makes sense to do that. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker set an NFL record for the longest kick by hitting the crossbar and then over the field goal post for a 66-yard game-winning kick against the Detroit Lions last week. Boy, if you ever want to watch an entertaining video, watch the Lions fans when it hits the post and they think they won the game, and then it just go right over the top of it, and then heartbreak wiping through an entire stadium in Detroit. Right, because that's what caused them to lose that game. It was literally the last seconds of the game, and it hit the post, flipped up, and everybody was like, the whole stadium froze, because when it hit the post, it makes a very particular boink, noise and the entire stadium was like just losing their mind like they won the game they won the game and then it went over and then instantly it was just like crickets and sad sorrow sounds all over the place but as somebody who does not like the Detroit Lions it was very enjoyable to watch right right 
And then this was an interesting piece of news that I found that I thought was worthwhile talking about just because it's not often you see situations like this happen. So the Saints owner, Gail Benson, has announced when she passes away that both the Pelicans and the Saints will be sold rather than handed down within her family. Uh, the proceeds will all go to local charities. The family is beyond wealthy, so like whether these teams get handed down or not, their children are going to be set for the rest of their lives. It's one of those right. situations. But they've always been big on charity in the city of New Orleans and the state of Louisiana. So, like, it's really kind of just a final way for their family to give back, I guess, which I think is great. Recently, Forbes estimated the Saints to be worth $2.825 billion and the Pelicans to be worth $1.35 billion. Talk about, like, huge donations to charities. Like, holy crap. Like... Well, it specifically says proceeds, so I wonder how much of that is actually going to get donated versus what has to take care of other things. It's going to be a large amount no matter what, and it's cool that she's doing something like that because, again, like it's usually handed down from family member to family member. For God's sakes, the owner of the Bears is like 94 years old, and she still goes to the games, so it's just like one of those similar situations where it's just held on to forever, so... And then the NFL announced their Super Bowl halftime artists for the Super Bowl 56. It will include Dr. Dre, Eminem, Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige, and Kendrick Lamar. The game will be played in the new SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles where the Rams play. So Okay. That's probably how they got so many artists to agree to it because they all live there. I was going to say, it's the first time that there's been more than two artists included in the halftime show in right. like decades. So it's... Kind of a weird thing. Yeah. I just want to know what happened to the horses last they'll, year. They'll be back. I'm Will sure. They? I, I'm sure. Budweiser's been, Budweiser and horse commercials have gone on longer than you and I have been alive. So I only watched last year's game for the horses, and there were no horses. Yeah. Completely pointless. Waste of my life. <laughs> no horse commercials. Ugh. I mean, no one watches the Super Bowl for the football game. Well, I would dis... Agree to some extent, but I think most people also watch it for commercials as well. Yeah. Bring back the horses. Bring back the Clydesdales. Yes. Yeah. And moving on to everyone's least favorite sport, it's Major League Baseball news time. This person sitting across from you would disagree completely, but... He can be wrong. (laughs) Not really much going on in player health and trades, but there were a couple of signings in this past week. Michael A. Taylor agreed to a two-year contract extension with the Royals. He is guaranteed $9 million over the two years with $500,000 in potential bonuses. I wonder what the stakes are for that because it can't, like, you wouldn't sign a contract that says, oh, yeah, I'll get those bonuses if the Royals make the playoffs because it's just never going to happen. So it's like... I mean, you can have different potential reasons like tiers of like batting average or like rbis or whatever the statistics might be related to it right for his sake hopefully if it's playoff based like it is in a lot of sports womp womp might as well not even assigned it right and adam wainwright and the cardinals have agreed to a one-year extension at the time i wrote my notes there were no financial terms disclosed so i'm not sure how much money he's worth there's still not but the guy is up there in age and it's like now it's the every year contract type situation, right? right? Just to see how he's still where he's at, all that kind of stuff. Uh, however, they did name him as the starting pitcher for the wild card game they're going to have to play in. So they must still have a lot of faith in him if they're giving him that role to right. decide whether or not they continue in the playoffs. But 
Part of the reason the MLB is exciting, whether you want to admit it or not, is the playoffs are starting on the 5th. So we have playoff baseball starting up here just around the corner. So you're saying I could turn that on every night to go to sleep too because it's that well, and the announcers usually have pretty calming voices. They're not really over-the-top yellers like the NBA or anything like that. So. I was thinking international soccer announcers are kind of bad. Yeah, when golazos happen, they can get a little intense. But we'll kind of wrap up uh, to what the playoff picture looks like actively um, by going over the division title winners. So in the AL East, you have the Tampa Bay Rays. In the Central, you have the Chicago White Sox. In the West, the Houston Astros clinched this past week. Uh, in the wild card, it is literally a toss-up. So you have two teams actively in wild card spots, one win ahead of two other teams. So if the Red Sox and the Yankees both lose today in the final day of the regular season, and the Blue Jays and the Mariners win, there's literally a four-way draw for the wild card spots. I feel like that's too many ifs. I feel like one of those is going to fall through. It probably will, but it could still possibly lead to there being a playoff for the final wild card spot too. So Right. Is today the last day of the regular season when we're recording? Yes. Okay. So the regular season ends tonight. We're so close to no more baseball. Everyone be happy. I'm going to cry a little bit on the inside. But it literally could go any which way at this point. I'm excited because it's the first time there's a possibility of there being a four-way draw in the history of the game. It's never happened before for the wild card. So like, it's interesting news. Uh, The National League division titles have been dealt out to the Braves for the East. The Central Division, the Brewers clinched this week as well. And the West is still technically up in the air. So, again, if the Giants lose today and the Dodgers win, the Dodgers will win the West title. Okay, so what happens if they both win? Since the Giants are technically sitting half a game up, they would win the title for the West and the Dodgers would take the wild card spot. Okay. But... The Cardinals are actively in a wild card spot no matter what. It just comes down to which team ends up winning the West title. So hopefully by the end of the day, we'll understand everything that falls into place and we won't have these weird playoff games in the AL. Because no matter what, that's going to happen, maybe. Like, there's a chance. Whereas with the National League, it's whoever wins, wins the title. Whoever loses, loses the title. It's pretty straightforward, so... But in other not-playoff news in the MLB, the Rays reached the 100-game win mark for the first time in franchise history to help create the possible four-way draw we just talked about in the wild-card spot by defeating the Yankees 12-2. to Yikes. Yeah. That's a big loss. It's not an easy one to take when you're trying to win a wild-card spot. Right. And we also kind of have players behaving badly. There's another suspension that got doled out this past week. The White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson received a suspension of three regular season games and an undisclosed fine for making contact with umpire Tim Timmons. This is too many Tims, by the way. Tim did it to Tim Timmons. Yes. During an on-field incident with the Tigers on Monday, September 27th. So having watched the video over and over, they actually finally put a video online where like, they kind of spotlighted where Tim Anderson was in the crowd. So that you could see where he was, because otherwise, like, there, the benches had cleared, so everybody was on the field fighting one another. Right. But Tim Timmons came up to Tim and kind of, like, grabbed him, and he didn't know who grabbed him. He didn't know it was an umpire. Again, like, it's a kerfuffle in the middle of the field. Like, the last thing he's going to be able to do is be like, oh, yeah, this random set of hands that just grabbed me, that's an umpire. 
And he pushed him backwards in reaction, thinking that it was an opposing player grabbing him. And I'm like, man, like, I get it. Like, he's not supposed to put his hands on you, but you did just outright grab him in the middle of a fight. Then you get into the question of intentionality and whether that matters. And then how do you prove whether or not he did it intentionally? And you just have to go with across the board, like, don't do this. And if you do, you get in trouble. Right. So it's it's a weird gray area because, again, like, if they wouldn't have spotlighted where Tim was and where Tim was... I had to. I had to say. It. I'm sorry. In the so, video, you would You wouldn't have even known that that was an umpire. Like you could barely even see him in the crowd. So it's like I get it. Like he probably didn't know it was him. At the same time, should you have been fighting on the field? Probably not. But that happens in baseball. So I don't know. I as a White Sox fan, I'm sad. As a fan of the game, it's like. It wasn't on purpose. It wasn't like he came at the umpire and was swinging at him. You know, it wasn't right. like, I'm going to knock you out. <laughs> like, it was just a shove. So, Well, baseball player Tim has gone and appealed the suspension, which I feel like that's just like the standard move for anyone who gets a suspension. But he'll probably still get the suspension based off what I was seeing, just because of like the whole intentionality question and how you deal with that. Right. And then we move on to the NBA, which it seems like you had a lot of COVID news in, and I had literally none, so I'm excited to hear a little bit from you. Ahem, ahem. So, (laughs) the NBA has released its tentative health and safety protocols for the 21-22 season. The unvaccinated players will be tested more than the vaccinated players. No shock to anyone. Go figure. As well, unvaccinated players will face a slew of other restrictions. Unvaccinated players will not be able to eat in the same room with vaccinated teammates or staff, must have lockers as far away from vaccinated players as possible, and must stay masked and at least six feet away from all other attendees in any team meeting. Unvaccinated players will not be permitted to visit what they're calling high-risk settings, such as restaurants, bars, clubs, entertainment venues, and large indoor gatherings. Fully vaccinated players will pretty much be back to business as usual. There are some rules from last season that will still apply at the start of this season at the very least, but all players and staff, regardless of vaccination status, must wear masks in almost all situations inside of team facilities during travel and when on the bench during games. And there's a whole list of protocols that will be available once everything's been agreed upon. These are just the ones that have been, like, everyone coming to the table and agreeing on this. Got it. FedEx Forum will continue requiring face masks for everyone attending basketball games for NBA Memphis Grizzly games and University of Memphis Tiger games and any of the other arena events that they're going to have this year, regardless of vaccination status, through the end of October, at least. This is following the county's health directive, which is continuing the mask mandate for the county. I'm sure that's going to get extended because no one knows how to not have COVID, apparently. Well, and let's be honest, too. When you go to sporting events, people aren't wearing masks anyways. Like, Well, there was supposed to be a mask mandate of some sort in place for that baseball game that we went to, and we were the only ones wearing masks. Pretty much to a T, yeah. And, like, these weren't people who were eating. Just no one was wearing masks. Don't be like that. Be better than that. 
Also, the numbers have come out for the week. The NBA has reached a 95% vaccination rate among its players. Nearly half of the league's teams have said that they are already fully vaccinated or on the cusp of it. Which is pretty bad considering the NBA's was originally the hardline stance and has slowly become not that on vaccination. 95% still pretty good considering everything. It's just now I think you're getting to the holdouts. The people that aren't ever going to get vaccinated. Right. And so that's going to make it harder for you to get any more than the 95%. I think the big thing for me is, like, I understand if you're concerned about personal health, but, like, there's been no science to argue that, I guess, like, the risks necessarily. Right. Albeit, like, with any vaccine, you never really know what the long-term issues are. Like, 60 years down the road, we could all grow tails. Who knows? Like, but... The reality is... I feel like you don't need to put that out in the world. Well, yeah, but I, like it's a joke. I wasn't yes. being serious. The point being, though, like that's the only argument that you could really make because like short-term medical history, there's been no issues with the vaccine. So it's like... I don't need to know that in 60 years something bad could happen because I know that right now something bad would happen if I wasn't vaccinated. Right. So like I don't need to worry about my health in 60 years if I'm not taking care of myself right now. Yeah, I was reading an article about John Morant, who was originally one of the holdouts, uh, the player for the Memphis Grizzlies. There's a second player there as well. I'm blanking on his name. But Ja basically came out and said, I'm getting vaccinated for myself and for my family, not just for myself or just for the NBA. He goes, I realize it's for my family and my friends that are around me because if I'm still traveling, I wouldn't be able to see them. Like he would have to go into COVID protocols when he'd come back and not be able to go see these people that are his family and friends. And he's like, that's stupid. And like, you don't have enough time in between home and away games in order to constantly be in COVID protocols. So I can completely understand his perspective. And he goes, now at the same time, he goes, it's not my business because they immediately asked him the presser like if everybody should be forced to get vaccinated. And he's like, no, it's not. That's not my job. Like I'm here to play basketball. I got vaccinated. These are the reasons why. Right. Done. Thank you for the question. I mean, I agree that celebrities and basketball players shouldn't be forced to be on a position where they have to say that everyone should get vaccinated. But at the same time, yeah, everyone should get vaccinated. The reality is that will never happen because you have always had anti-vaxxers. But like if more people are willing to be vaccinated, then we'd be in a better spot than we are actively. Right. And that's been COVID corner. (laughs) I only found one signing during the week, and that was for Michael Porter Jr., who has agreed to a five-year maximum extension with the Denver Nuggets that could be worth up to $207 million. He's one of the holdouts, by the way, for getting vaccinated. He should make negative $207 million. (laughs) Thought you should know. He will be making at least $29.8 million in the 22-23 season, but they didn't do a full breakout of his pay season by season. I'm sure I could figure it out somewhere, but I don't know that I care that much. Also, the NBA Board of Governors have approved changes to the league's instant replay rules on a one-year trial basis for the 21-22 season. To improve game flow as they call it. The NBA has eliminated referee-initiated replay review of -of out-of-bounds violations during the last two minutes of the fourth quarter and the last two minutes of any overtime. In conjunction with this change, the league has also extended the coaches' challenge so that teams can trigger replay review of -of out-of-bounds violations 
throughout the entire game. Previously, coaches could not challenge an out-of-bounds ruling in the last two minutes. I don't know that that's particularly going to do a lot for game flow or whatever, but... I was going to say, basketball as a sport as a whole, in like the final two minutes of every game, it takes 30 minutes to complete, so... I know that really well because for high school and college band, I had to play at basketball games. So, like, we'd be fine rolling through the game, and then it felt like the end of the game took the rest of the entire night. Yeah, because teams take random timeouts all over the place. At that point, the foul count is up to where you get the free penalty free throws, and it's just, it's a lot of things happening for no reason at the end of a game. Right. But that's supposed to help somehow. We'll I, I don't know yeah. if that's going to work, but. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up the NBA. We can go to the world of the MLS if you have something. One thing real quick. So Raphael Wiki has been fired as coach of the Chicago Fire. The decision comes with the team having a season record of 7, 15, and 6. The assistant coach, Frank Klopas, I assume that's how you say his name, will be in charge in the interim while a search for a new coach takes place, though it has been said that he is not a candidate for the job full-time. So, like, don't get comfy. Just kind of the interim, basically. Yeah, don't get too comfy. Well, international soccer has been interesting as always. The Premier League's been fun. To say the least, yeah. I don't think it updated properly here in the standings, so that's fun. Brentford did end up winning today, which... Should bring them up into, like, fifth place behind Manchester United, which is insane. So that's exciting. Brentford, the team that literally got promoted to the Premier League this year, has been just the shining story of the league this season. Everyone wants to root for the underdog as long as you're not winning against my team. Well, they haven't played Manchester United yet, so you're lucky, I guess, in that sense. But actively for the standings, we do have Chelsea in first place. Liverpool and Manchester City are both actively playing each other right now. If Liverpool wins, they'll move up into first place. Uh, If Manchester City wins, it will end up being Manchester City in second, Liverpool in third. Then you have Manchester United actively in fourth. Everton right now sits in fifth, but when the day's points update, Brentford should be sitting there in fifth place quite comfortably. Brighton in sixth. As it sits, Brentford in seventh until the points update. But it's pretty interesting season so far. I can't say I'm too proud of my team. Newcastle United is actively as of a loss yesterday to Wolverhampton, uh, sitting in 19th place of 20. So the oofs are going out to that team this season. Um, they're talking about firing the coach. The reality is they spent no money in the offseason. They have a roster that lost a couple players, so... Of our starters. So, what did you expect to happen when you don't replace the players that you lost? Like, right. It's not going to be a good year. Um, there's been injury problems with the organization. So, it's just like, you know, when it rains, it pours this year for Newcastle. More than likely, we'll be relegated. I hope not. But, you know, we'll see. The season is long from being over. So, we'll see how it all falls out long term. But in better and brighter news, Byron Munich is actively in first place. Is that better and brighter news? For me, it is, anyways. Right now, they're playing Frankfurt. The game is tied at 1-1. Frankfurt is in 13th place, so that says something. They're playing pretty good soccer to try to compete with Bayern Munich. We've been a second-half team all year this year, so we'll see what ends up actually coming out of today's game. But Someone needs to drink their coffee earlier in the day. Yes. Yeah. So they can be awake. Albeit it's nighttime in Munich right now. 
My point still stands. Yes. You have Bayern in first place, Dortmund in second, Freiburg in third. Uh, Bayer is L- it not Freiburg? Sure. They were, what's crazy is they were down towards the bottom of the table last year, and they've, they're have they also creeping up. So right. Bayer Leverkusen in fourth place, Wolfsburg in fifth, and then you have Leipzig in eighth. So they're kind of creeping back up. They were in tenth place. Uh, Modern Gladbach made the biggest jump this week. They went from 15th to 10th place this week, so did some good things over the weekend. Is it really tight in the middle of the table? It's like literally from the 15th place now, you're at six points to where they're at in 10th place, 10 points, so yes. Yeah. It's pretty close. And it's even tighter towards the top of the table. From like 10th right now, with a single win, you could move all the way up to 6th. Wow. So, yeah, it's it's... It's still the beginning of the season, roughly. That's so true. There's still a lot of time to determine winners and losers. But I think that's pretty much all the sports news we have. Hockey starts in 10 days, roughly, 9 days. Yep. That's exciting. Uh, shortly thereafter that, we'll be going on vacation to go watch some hockey in other places. So, all exciting things. Make sure you guys are staying in contact with us in the meantime on all of our social media and those links will be found in the show notes. And we'll catch you next time on Thursday for a book episode. We'll see you then, guys. Bye. Bye.